0: Talk Radio.
1: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey? Here we go.
2: Drop that. Puck. Drop that. Puck. Drop that. Puck. Drop that. Take a seat because you've just been sent to the Sin Bin with your host. Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers.
3: All right, I want to welcome everyone to a special edition of the Seattle Sin Bin. We normally do this kind of thing on Tuesdays, and we are going to go ahead and do a Tuesday episode tomorrow night. Um, and, uh, but tonight I wanted to do a special episode because, uh, Jeff Baker, of the Seattle times, uh, did a special, did an article in the, in the paper today, uh, talking about a study done in the American city business journal and what impact that might have on the effort to bring the NHL to Seattle. So, uh, Jeff Baker of the Seattle times, I want to welcome you on the show today.
1: Jeff. Jeff, are you there? Yeah,
2: hey.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm here. Great to be on the show. Oh, can you hear me?
3: Okay. I can hear you now. I, I had I had your number listed twice here, so I, I think I unmuted the wrong one.
1: Well, but, some people tell Jeff, me, you know, I have twice the impact of other people and that's why you're doing a special edition, I'm sure. So
3: that that's exactly why. I don't do a special yeah, edition. Yeah, I, I have
1: no doubt. That's absolutely the reason why. No, but I'm glad to be on. It's great to talk hockey with anybody in town who wants to talk it.
3: All right. Well, before we get into your article today, um, the NHL the, the Stanley Cup playoffs started last week, and it's gotten off to an entertaining start. Uh, how do you see the the finals going down? Who do you think is going to win this whole thing?
1: Well, wow, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, look, obviously the New York Rangers have dominated the league for the last, I would say, three or four months, <laughs> and, and I mean, so they have to be the favorite. I think mean, you know, there's one point where they lost like five games in three months. And, 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 you know, you don't see that that often in, in modern hockey anymore. They went to the final last year. I think they were very close to making a much closer series last year had those first two games had they been able to hold a lead in those first two games on the road. But they didn't do it. I think they learned a lot from that. So, I mean, they have to be the favorites going in. I, I'm a big Montreal Canadiens fan. And and I think if the Canadians and Rangers get back to the conference final, I mean, you know, I think it's anybody's contest. They both know each other very well. They have similar styles of play. Um, You know, and and out of the West Division, I mean, it's really a toss-up. I think it's whoever gets hot. You had a lot of the best teams – In that conference, the the best teams like Anaheim, Nashville, uh, you know, teams like St. Louis up at the top that kind of faltered a bit the last month or two. They didn't play their best hockey. And, And I think, you know, the situation's ripe for a team like Chicago, as they're doing right now, to sneak up. And, and kind of pass those other teams, so I wouldn't be shocked at all to see the Blackhawks in the final. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think either the Canadians or the Rangers will will make it to the final from there. And I, I'm going to take the Eastern team in this uh, in this situation. I think both those Eastern teams are very fast, have a great transitional game, and I think they can be a lot more physical than than, than they sometimes get credit for uh, from the bigger teams, as Montreal is demonstrating right now in the series with Ottawa. You know, it's a it's a, the most physical series of the playoffs so far. And yet Montreal has a three-nothing lead in that series. I think the Rangers, as well, can handle the physical game. So I think either of those teams will be very formidable in a final.
3: Yeah, and speaking of the Montreal series, uh, over the weekend um, uh, Ottawa came within five minutes of uh, winning that third game and making it a series. But um, your your team came back and, and tied it up with a few minutes to go, and then wanted wanted it, won it in overtime. How big of a dagger was that from Montreal?
1: Oh, I mean that—that's the series right there. I mean, you know, historically, I think there's been like five times in, in history, and including twice recently when when teams have come back from three-zero deficits, but it, but it's been very, very rare throughout the history of all sports, and. and you know, I don't think you're going to beat Carey Price four times in a row, especially uh, the way he's upped his game since the Olympics last year. Uh, I, I just don't right. see that happening. You never say never, and, I mean, we saw the Kings do it last year uh, against a very good team from San Jose, so you never know. You don't count it until it's out. But, I mean, you know, realistically, if you're Ottawa, you have to win that game. Um, and, and the problem is Ottawa has played very well in all three games. They just have not been able to extend their one-goal lead beyond one goal. And when you're playing a team that has Carey Price and that's if you can't get a two goal lead, I mean you're you're playing with fire there. And they let Montreal hang hang around too long uh, yesterday, and and they paid the price for it. And uh, I mean that's just what happens. So, you know Ottawa played great the last two I'd say two months of the season, and, and I think they they basically they they might have burned out some of their cylinders just getting to the playoffs. Uh, you know I don't know that they have enough left now to make a run deep into the postseason, especially not when you're down three zero. That's not going to happen.
3: Where does P.K. Subban rank among players in the, in the NHL?
1: Oh, I think he's one of the best. I mean, I've said this before. I think he's he's on his way to becoming a Hall of Fame defenseman, and, and not just for his offensive skill. I, I think just his, his all-around game. Uh, look, he obviously needs work. He's not perfect. I, I grew up watching Hall of Fame defensemen in Montreal. I mean, I saw Larry Robinson, Serge Savard, you know, Gila Point, even Rod Langway, guys like that play, you know, all within about a five-year span of each other, and it, that spoils you growing up, but you do get to see the standard of excellence that you measure guys against, and I would say Subban reminds me a lot. He's he, he's he's unlike a player I've seen in Montreal, uh, I, I would say, ever. I mean, he can rush the puck, lug it up the ice the way Larry Robinson did, but Robinson wasn't anywhere near the offensive player that P.K. Subban is. Subban's almost like a Paul Coffey was in his heyday with the Edmonton Oilers. It's just he's a better defender, and uh, I, I think mm-hmm. Subban's going to become a better defender. Um Uh, As he goes along, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Bobby Orr because, you know, nobody really compares to Bobby Orr in his prime. But, I mean, he has elements of his game that are like that. He's the kind of guy that can take over a game on both ends of the ice and and be very, very physical when he plays. And I think, you know, his career longevity might be shortened a little bit because of his physical style, but I think he's one of the more dynamic players I've ever seen put on a Canadian's uniform. And that's that's saying something because I've seen a lot of good players over the last 40 years.
3: Right, right. Okay, so from the, the teams that already exist and are playing in the playoffs, we go to a team that doesn't yet exist yet in Seattle. And you've been covering this this effort quite a bit over the last year. Um, and just today you released another article based on a study in the American City Business Journal. Uh, tell us what's going on in that article. What, what, should, what should we be concerned about in Seattle?
1: Well, I don't know if concerned is the best word. I think it's an issue that we should pay attention to. I mean, first off, I'm a big proponent of bringing hockey to Seattle. I actually think it's going to work if they bring it here. But, you know, it's not my job to be a blind cheerleader and to go rah-rah for everything that comes up. You know, I'm supposed to look for both sides of it. I'm supposed to see whether there are any pitfalls lying in wait. And the truth is there are. Look, I mean, anybody will tell you. I think even the most diehard hockey fan will tell you it's not a slam dunk here. In Seattle, no matter what. I know all about the rec leagues that we have, and it's one of the biggest in the country for adults. I know that there's a junior hockey history here that goes back to when I was a little kid and even beyond that, but I mean, where they were winning Memorial Cups in this area, you know, back when I was a kid in the late 70s, early 80s, And, 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 you know, that, I mean, that means something, and, you know, we're very close to Canada, which means something. We got a good rivalry that we can form with Vancouver. We got fans potentially up and down that corridor between here and Vancouver, B.C., maybe as far south as Portland, that would come up to see games. And that's great. That all works into our favor. But it's still not a slam dunk. And and I think one of the elements that I've heard mentioned before as to why it's not a slam dunk here is is the thing that everybody knows. This isn't going to be the number one team in town right away. In fact, it's going to be Mm -hmm. tough for it not to be the number four team in town. Uh, and, And I'm giving the Sounders a lot of credit there, maybe a little more than they deserve, because... MLS is still a growing sport. It's not as big as the big major sports, but I still think the hockey team coming in here could be behind the Mariners, could be behind the Sounders, could be behind the Seahawks, and behind the football Huskies. I think definitely the football Huskies, Seahawks, and Mariners will definitely all be ahead of the hockey team uh, for sure. So you're looking at you know at, at a number four, maybe a number five team, maybe then a number six team when basketball comes in. So there's no guarantee that if the team struggles early or if the team's not marketed properly or or if there's – unforeseen problems that come up in this marketplace that nobody ever thought of, there's no guarantee that it's going to be sustainable long-term, you know, unless some some big measures are taken. And one of the things I've heard mentioned is that the sports dollar here is saturated. We've heard that discussion before in this area. And, and what I liked about this study... Was that it takes that argument that we've heard before and it tries to quantify it? Um, the mm-hmm. study that we're mentioning by, by American City Business Journals, they they took that one element and it's a very important element and they tried to quantify it and they showed they tried to show how much available income there is in in 83 major cities here and in Canada, and, and how much of that income is already used up on existing teams, both pro and college versus how much money is left over after that to sustain a new team and, and that plays into that argument that i've heard before are are we at risk of having too many teams here in seattle and it tries to quantify it and it says yeah we're a borderline case when it comes to hockey mm-hmm. it says we can barely squeeze basketball in probably squeeze basketball and but then it says you know it's really up in the air as to hockey in that one element which is available money lying around now Uh, you know, if I can go on and on, which I usually do when I'm on the radio and stuff, I talk a lot, so you don't have to ask me a lot of questions. I I kind of fill the air very fast, but no I mean, look realistically hey if if the Mariners go back to not being a third place team and become a fifth place team again it's it's very it, it it's pretty it would be pretty easy for the hockey team to suddenly move up to number three or number two, and maybe the Mariners fall back to drawing twelve thousand fans a game like they were doing oh two or three years ago i mean that's entirely possible there's no guarantee hockey's going to be the one that suffers, but when you have limited dollars in a marketplace, one of those teams is at risk of suffering if they have a talent drop off or they don't capture the imagination right away. And there's countless cities that you can mention around the country that are already in that situation. And I've heard, uh, you know, people today mention Denver has four teams. Minneapolis has four teams. Look at the Minnesota Twins. They opened a brand new ballpark five years ago. And four years ago, they started having attendance problems there. The the honeymoon wore wore off after one year. So nothing's guaranteed in a city where you have that many teams crowded in. And and I think that's worth taking a look at as far as this Study goes. It doesn't mean the study is the end all be all, and, and the study itself even mentions there's far more important stuff. Not far more important, but there's other important elements to look at beyond just the money. But money is an important element, so I took a look at it.
3: Right. So So um, with the with the market saturation issue, um, is it possible that one thing that could mitigate that that problem? Would be the fact that hockey fans are kind of a different animal, and, and the people that support soccer might not be hockey people. And the same with baseball and basketball and football. Is there enough diversity? Uh, is there enough hockey fans to make an argument that that could be mitigated, mitigated by, by that?
1: Well, I, I'll tell you what, right off the bat, to answer your question, yes, they are a different animal. And I don't want to generalize too much, but I, I can tell you just off the top of my head. There's a huge difference between the potential NHL fan you're going to have here versus the Sounders fan, and I'll tell you what it is. I mean, a lot of my friends who are Sounders fans go to Sounders games because it doesn't cost a lot of money. You can you can you know get your family of four in there for under a hundred bucks with parking and food and all that stuff, and go watch a game and be entertained. You can't do that with hockey. That, that's not going to happen right. with hockey. I mean, I went to a Canucks game last year with part of a, a Seattle delegation that was traveling to see. You know what what a hockey market looks like, and and all that stuff. I think we paid about 130, 125 bucks for our seats, and we were in a, a middle section behind one of the nets. I mean, that's hardly a prime arena location, and we were already, you know, one ticket was already 125 bucks. Um, you know, on that front, and that that's expensive. You start multiplying by that by four. It, you know, it ain't the Sounders you're talking about anymore. So it's a very different fan demographic. Do we have enough hockey fans? Here I mean that's that's a that's the question that you have to ask, and that's you know and that's the purpose of me writing this call to be honest with you because I think it's a discussion that we have to have here in Seattle before we start committing money public funds to a new arena before anybody starts green lighting a new arena for whatever I mean you know you don't want to build a big arena even with private funds and having it sit there. Empty, you know, two thirds empty in five years. You don't want that to happen, even if it's in Tukwila or Bellevue, or you know, if it's downtown with Chris Hansen. The last thing anybody wants is an extinct version of Olympic Stadium, which I had to look at for uh, 30 years of my life in Montreal. Um, right. you, you know, so so going forward, uh you know, I think it was 5:38. Uh, Nate Silver's blog took a look at this last August. And that blog did a study of its own, and they suggested that Seattle doesn't have enough hockey fans. They said that their estimate was about 240,000 hockey fans, NHL, potential NHL fans here in Seattle, whereas 300,000 is sort of the break-even point that you want to have to avoid financial problems. So that's one blog's Mm -hmm. opinion. Uh, Nate Silver is very respected. I'm not about to argue numbers with him without doing a lot more work on my own on that issue, but that's worth taking a look at. And this study comes out, and they say, you know, uh, it's not guaranteed that you're going to stretch those sports dollars. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, all I can yeah. tell you is when I put the radio on here in Seattle and try to listen to a playoff hockey game, you know, you have to go searching the dials. It's not that easy to find it. There's not – and, you know, yeah. that that's obviously a very basic thing, but, but you don't have that um, – I don't walk outside and hear people screaming every time a goal is scored. You know, I don't hear people buzzing about the hockey playoffs when I go to a bar and sit there. You know, I don't see hockey automatically playing on the screens. It's basketball. All the time. So right. uh, are there hidden hockey fans here? Of course there are. And, and I know quite a few of them. But will there be enough long-term to sus- sus- little sustain an NFL, uh, NHL team? You know, that, that's a big question. The NHL certainly thinks so. So uh, that, that's that's a big benefit for Seattle right now.
3: Yeah, it's a, that, that's the really encouraging thing for me is that um, cer- certainly um, the numbers need to be worked out. And, and these things do need to be looked at from with an honest eye. Uh, but the really encouraging thing is it does seem like the NHL truly wants to be here. Uh, speaking of which, um, a couple months ago now, I think, uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman came out and talked about a couple competing locations to Soto. And you were one, I, I think you were the first uh, newspaper guy in town to really talk about this. Um, is there anything new going on with the other locations and the other ownership groups? What, what's the status of that right now?
1: Well, there's always something new, and, and frankly, as I've said before, these groups are going to have to come out and declare themselves fairly soon. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sitting in the boardroom with them figuring out exactly when they're going to make an announcement or exactly if they're going to make an announcement. That's up to them. Um, you know, I, I told people what the status was as of two months ago. I can tell you there's been meetings uh, on, and discussions ongoing between those groups and uh, and various officials with the National Hockey League, various officials uh, with regards to television, here in the Seattle area, I mean, there's only going to be one television network here, and it's Root Sports. It's not going to be – there's not going to be a new arena, uh, a new uh, RSN that comes in and informs for for hockey and, and basketball. It's pretty much all going to have to go through Root Sports. We're not big enough to have two. So, you know, there, there's that stuff that's ongoing. But honestly, until one of these groups comes out and says, hey, we're – you know, this group, and we're going to bid for a team here or there. Right now it's Chris Hansen until, you know, somebody else makes it otherwise. Um Uh, But I can tell you there's discussions going on behind the scenes. One of the discussions that, you know, I think people should pay a lot of attention to is going to involve uh, what the franchise fees are for an expansion team in the NHL, um, you know, as it pertains to Seattle. Because from what I'm hearing, it's going to be $500 million. And, you know, we've read reports about that same thing in Las Vegas. That same $500 million number is coming up. I've heard it's $500 million. and, And that's going to make it very tough um, not impossible, but it makes it tough to come out and, and have a group that wants to devote itself to hockey as well as build an arena, um, you know, because right, right away you're looking at a, a billion dollar in funds right there. It's a huge difference between a $400 million expansion fee or a 450, even, million million expansion fee and $500 million for hockey here in Seattle, where, as we've just discussed, you know, it, it's a uh, – You know, it's a borderline situation as to whether or not it can thrive long-term, not just exist. You don't want to end up being like Carolina for years and, and just exist. You don't want to be like the Florida Panthers and just exist. You want it to thrive. That's the whole point of the thing. So if you want it to thrive, it's tough when you're asking for that much money up front from various groups. Now, is it impossible? No. And I I don't have the private numbers behind me. I mean, maybe they're all going to make out like bandits on this thing. But I can tell you Mm -hmm. right now that 500 million fee is causing a lot of people to take a look. It's pretty much doubled over what the fee was going to be about three years ago. And so, um, you know, that's a lot to swallow in in one, you know, in, in one gulp like this. And people are running around and they're crunching the numbers and they're trying to find ways that make it work. It's not just You know, Chris Hansen, it would be these other groups looking at Bellevue, the groups that would look at Tukwila, you know, and groups that might be looking at both places. Um, You know, they have to make these numbers work. Chris Hansen and Victor Coleman have to make these numbers work, and that's, you know, that's that's part of the negotiations that are ongoing. I mean, if I'm a pr- prospective owner, I'm going to be talking to Gary Bettman in the NHL, and I'm going to be looking to get that figure down a bit by saying that, hey, we're putting up all this money for the arena. You've got to come down a bit in your price. And if you're Gary Bettman, you're going to want to max out on the price because you see sports franchises all over North America going through the roof right now, and you're going to want to be as big a cash grab as you can get. And that's where things are right now. So if people aren't jumping out the window right now, Uh, you know, to declare themselves and to say, hey, everybody, I'm here to buy a team in Seattle. That could be one potential holdup at this stage. But I'll be honest, I mean, none of us knows whether any of these groups are going to step up and publicly declare. Um, You know, I was told that they would, uh, you know, if they change their mind in the next few weeks. There's nothing I can do about it. But, you know, as far as I know, no plans have changed until now, and these discussions are still ongoing. I hope that, you know, I'm trying to explain it the best way I possibly can to you, because I know it's a frustrating process for all the fans out there who keep reading about this stuff, believe me, it's a frustrating process for me as well. But sure. it's just like sure. when you report that the FEIS is going to be out, you know, last December or last November or whatever, and it keeps changing, and now it's going to come out on May 7th, there's nothing you can do about it when that happens. Yeah. It just it's part of the process. It better come Other people out on May are seven. in charge of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's uh, It better come out on you May 7th. It's part of the um, fun of it better come out on May 7th I'll tell you it's uh yeah if, if not we're going to have to go down to city hall and you know start knocking yeah, on some doors and find out what's going on that would
2: be
3: a big problem how how many gr- different groups are we dealing with
1: as far as I know right now there's 3 um you know that that I know of personally um you know and from what I've been told by others there's more hanging around but that's just talk that I've heard from third parties. I mean, I have personally spoken with enough people that I'm convinced I know who the three people are, and I'm including, you know, Chris Hansen's group in that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've already mentioned the group that Jack Sperling was trying to put together. I've mentioned the group that um, Ray Bartozic was trying to put together. And so, you know, I'm very comfortable saying that I know of those three. I've heard that there are more, but I have not seen those. You know, other people, I've heard names tossed around, but nobody's been able to confirm that they were ever involved in in any discussions. I know Gary Bettman told me a year ago that there were more than three groups that were looking around. Um, and I know that when Bettman talked about, you know, Bellevue and Toguilla, obviously he was telling the truth because I knew about those groups that he was talking about. And that's right. why we had the story out so quickly afterwards, because we'd been working on it for a while. But um, – right. You know, I, I would say those are the most serious for now, but you never know. It's the sports world. The one thing I've learned covering sports, and I've been doing it now for 25 years professionally, is that things can change on a dime. And, you know, if somebody came out tomorrow and said that Chris Hansen was partnering partnering with Ray Bartosik, I would not be surprised because that's sports. Look, it's not going to happen, but if it did happen, I wouldn't be shocked to hear it. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't want to start a whole... Rumor on the blogosphere, but that that's not happening. There's not going to be a Hanson Bartosic uh, right. uh, yeah, <laughs> alliance. But put this way: it, I mean, it great, but, No, if it happened and Steve Ballmer was financing the arena, it wouldn't shock me in the least because that's a sports world. It's a crazy world, and things change from one minute to the next. And the worst thing you can do, I think, and, and I'm not giving this to be condescending or, or paternalistic. I mean, but I think the worst thing you can do as a reader of a blog or a newspaper columnists like me or or anything else when it comes to this stuff is to try to read too much into the day-to-day happenings because, you know, just go back and look over the last three or four years of what's happened in this saga and you'll find that the day-to-day happenings always seem to change on a day-to-day basis. And and even when I try to get a professional grip uh, grip on what's happening – I I can't because the guys who are running this thing, the guys who are involved, the principals, don't even know what's going to happen from one one week to the next. And so it's very tough, um, you know, to try to write about it and try to explain to people. We try to give you guys general hints about what's happening. And and believe me, I I, I, I get as frustrated as the people who read this stuff. But, um, you know, I'd like to see some resolution. And, uh, uh, you know, I'd I'd, I'd much rather write about a team that's coming here to play hockey and and go write some columns about the NHL, talk about – the history of the NHL, the history of Seattle and hockey, I'd love to do that. And writing about this stuff is probably about the most boring you can get as, as far as covering a, a beat goes, but it has to be done. Uh, it, it's just yeah. very, very tough to monitor on a daily basis.
3: Okay, so a year ago, if uh, someone would have asked me if I, if I thought that there could be an NHL-first modification to the MLU, I would have told them it was probably a pipe dream. Uh, but in recent months, um, Mayor Murray has come forward as the first public official in Seattle to say that he was even open to the idea. And Dow Constantine, uh, the, the county executive, uh, released a similar statement not long after that. Um, what's your sense? Is, is there a legit chance that this could happen? Is there is there work going on behind the scenes for this?
1: You know what, That that's another great question. And I tell people this all the time because I get asked this privately by people all the time. Uh, And even the people that I talk to who should know these things don't know the answer to this. I mean, look, there's one of two things happening here. Either Ed Murray, the mayor, knows of something that's gone on behind the scenes, uh, and he knows that there's about to be a deal or some kind of big, big modification that's about to drop, and he's trying to get on board with it right now. I mean, that's, that's entirely possible. That could be happening. Or... Ed Murray realizes that this might not happen here in Seattle, and maybe they're going to lose the team to Tukwila or to Bellevue, or maybe not get a team here altogether. And he's trying to get out front of the issue now to make it look like he supports a hockey team. I mean, that's entirely possible, too, so that people don't blame him when it all falls apart. I don't know the answer to either of those things. You know, I would like to think, the positive side of me would like to think, that he knows that Victor Coleman and Chris Hansen have some kind of big plan That put together where they're going to find a way to modify this MOU and get it through council and pass all the roadblocks that are lining up there to oppose it. Um, I, I would like to think that that's going to happen. Can I guarantee it? No, because I've seen politicians do this all the time. They come out in support of an issue where they know it's already got no chance, but they try to save face by looking like they're going to spearhead the thing and make it work. I don't know the answer to either of those two. I guess we will know the answer when we see somebody come out and offer a, a plan for NHL first that's going to make it work here in Seattle, and then we'll have our, our answer to that. The people I've talked to behind the scenes, some of them will tell me that Chris Hansen has no plan, that he has no financial backer to replace uh, Steve Ballmer, and other people will tell me, of course he has some plan. Of course, he's just keeping very quiet right, right now because he wants to, um, you know, keep all his ducks, very, uh, all his, uh, all his uh, I don't know, ducks, pucks, close to the best, and not play the cards close to the vest and not play them until he absolutely has to, which would make a lot of sense to me, too. I don't have an answer to you for that. Um, I wish I did. It would make my uh, make my job, right. make my life a lot easier.
3: Okay, Jeff. Well, I started the interview by asking who you're, uh, you to predict what, who was going to win the NHL uh, finals. I'm going to end the interview by asking you, if you had your best guess, is this going to happen?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to have hockey here in Seattle, in one way or the other, in some place or another. Um, you know, and until I see a group from Bellevue or, or Willis step forward, I'm going to say it's going to happen in Seattle. But if one of those other groups does step forward and declare, then uh, you know, I think it can go anywhere at this point. But I think, I, I think we have too much promise, too much potential, still too much money in this area for somebody not to want to roll the dice and take a risk here. And as I said, the most important thing is the NHL wants to be here. And that's more important than what I think what American City Business Journal thinks or anybody else. If the NHL wants to be here and Seattle wants to get a winter team and an arena built here, then I think there's a big possibility for a marriage to happen between those forces. And I think there's a very good chance it will work out here in the end. But I think, you know, as a society and as smart people, we have to be able to talk about this stuff in advance – and hold these discussions and have them rationally and not get defensive and not throw everything out before we actually consider it and question the issue and talk about it a bit. That's all we have to do. And then if we talk about it enough, then if it all goes bad in the future, at least we can say, hey, we bounced it around. you know. But the worst thing you want to have is something failing in the future and then look back and say, hey, we probably should have questioned this a little bit more. We probably should have tightened up these uh th- these offers we were making a little bit more. That's all I want to see. I want to see people have a okay. rational discussion about some of these things. But yeah, I think we're gonna get a hockey team here eventually.
3: Okay. Well Jeff Baker the Seattle Times, thanks for coming on with you with us and I hope you have a great night.
1: No problem. It's great. I'm glad you guys made a special edition just for me. Um you know one day one day I'll return the favor. Not sure right. how but that I'll figure great, it out. <laughs> Alright, take all care. Right. See thanks, you later. Jeff
3: all right that was jeff baker of the seattle times he had a lot to say um regarding the his article today about the american city business journal report um and what i encourage people to do is as he was saying kind of keep an open open mind about this and uh try to look at our situation critically and uh I, I think uh there's no harm that can come from doing that uh when we come back uh, we're going to take a short break here uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, John Barr of NHLtoSeattle.com. He was with us a couple weeks ago and was kind enough to join us again tonight um, on the issue at hand. So uh, when we come back in, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to John Barr. Hang on.
0: Good morning. I'm Tiffany Trujillo-Carnegie.
2: And I'm David Pedro Gutenberg-Fukushima. And thank you for joining us on NPR's Hockey Talk here on radio station WEPC. In this edition, we're going to examine some of the fascinating first-round matchups in the 2015 NHL playoffs. Tiffany, would you like to begin?
0: Thank you. The series between the New York Rangers and Pittsburgh Penguins pits the President's Trophy winners against a team that slumped the finish line and didn't clinch a berth in the playoffs until the very last day of the season. The Rangers are heavily favored against the Penguins, who will need outstanding production from their bottom six forwards to have a chance in this series.
2: Well said, Tiffany. Elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Red Wings face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, popularly shortened to Ning. Each team has several young, up-and-coming players. Detroit has reached the NHL playoffs 24 consecutive seasons, which is two more seasons than the Ning have been in existence. That's shocking.
0: I see what you did there.
2: Tampa Bay's weakness could be their defensive play and how well they adapt to the rougher style that playoff hockey usually brings. Inconsistent goaltending has plagued the Red Wings of late and is an area of concern for Coach Mike Babcock. <coughs> an amusing moniker, indeed.
0: Sorry. I was reminded of this morning's piece on all things considered... About the history of knock-knock jokes. And it recalled this anecdote. Knock-knock.
2: Who is there? Al. Al who?
0: Al be seeing you in Detroit-ning fans. Go Red Wings. Go Red Wings. Woo!
2: (laughs) Join us after the break for a fair, the Western Conference playoff field including an all-Canadian matchup between the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames with a winner receiving a trip to the Western Conference second round, full bragging rights and free Tim Horton's donuts mm. for the entire NHL offseason a tasty and worthy prize to endeavor for we'll be right back here on NPR
1: folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop
2: that puck! Drop 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 that puck! Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin, with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada, and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Drop 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 yeah. All right. All right. Let's show
1: them what we got, guys. Okay. All right. yeah. Get out there on the ice and let them know you're there.
3: All right, thanks. Uh, welcome back once again to the Seattle Sin Bin in a special Monday edition to uh, in which we uh, talk with Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times regarding his article in the paper today. Um, and he had a lot of interesting things to say Not just about the article, but the current situation of the arena project, the competing ownership groups, the competing locations to Soto. Uh, Just a lot going on right now behind the scenes and a lot to talk about. And on the line right now, I have Mr. John Barr of NHLToSeattle.com. John, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing all right, Paul. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. Always happy to be doing a, an episode and uh I saw this as an extra chance to do that, so I'm having fun tonight um so before we get All into right. uh, before we get into the baker article um I noticed that you've got some t shirts for sale. <clears throat> Tell us about those t shirts
4: uh yeah, I do have t shirts for sale um yeah, I wasn't sure you know I'm not in the t-shirt distribution business but um i had some made for uh for going to games so that i could wear them at uh, national uh hockey league rinks and just kind of show show our colors and uh lo and behold a lot of people are interested in them so i looked at making a huge bulk order see if there was interest um from the community and and uh yeah, it was overwhelming i mean i am stunned how many people want shirts and uh every every day more orders come in but um I'm trying just to cover my costs. Um, I wish I could give them away, but uh, they do cost money. But I do sell them at NHL2Seattle.BigCartel.com. Um, that's uh, NHL spelled out to uh, T-O-Seattle.com or Seattle at uh, or .BigCartel.com. But we um, or just uh, find the Facebook page and send me a message and I can send people. Send people a link if they're interested, but uh, response has been right. overwhelming. I mean, I'm still getting tons of orders. It's it's nuts. So,
3: how many do you think you sold so far?
4: Uh, several hundred. Several wow. Hundred. So, um, yeah, I uh, I'm stunned, honestly. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, and they are nice looking. Not what t-shirts. I would have predicted. Yeah, yeah I'm planning. Well, I'm planning on ordering one in the next I... couple of weeks. Yeah, I tried to, you know, I ordered some to make sure that they were high quality. I wanted it something something to be proud of and people really wanted to wear um, versus something, you know, kind of starchy and kind of not very comfortable. So uh, hopefully people like them. Feedback's been great so far. So um, anyway, that's that's the story behind
3: the T-shirts. And how are you liking the playoffs so far? What do you see going on there?
4: Uh, great. I see some some really interesting series. I like uh the Vancouver Calgary series. I'm um I'm not necessarily a Canucks fan, but I'm kinda pulling for them since since a lot of people from Seattle like them. But um uh I'm liking I'm liking what I see. I I'm kinda rooting for Nashville to beat Chicago just to get some new blood in there, but at the same time, uh I know a lot of Blackhawks fans and um they'll be happy to have them still watching the playoffs um if they if they win so uh it's always yeah. fun to get together with those guys now while i'm thinking
3: of it before we get into the meat of i mean it's fun to talk i mean we need to talk about uh the story of the day but it's it's funner to talk about hockey so um i'm watching the the Canucks game the other night it was game 2 in Vancouver and at the end of the game uh the Canucks pulled uh pulled it out and there was a just a really really intense fight to end that game and you know as a recent convert to hockey um it's always kind of surreal for me to, to watch fights happening on the ice and and the, and the referees just watching it happen and you know in in one kind in one way it's kind of disturbing but in another way it's exhilarating that it's the one sport remaining that doesn't care about political correctness but what what is it about fighting in hockey that wh- why does it still happen and what's the purpose of it and and why do they let it go
4: for people that aren't hardcore well, uh, hockey fans <clears throat> I mean the re- the re- the reality is fighting is actually down in the NHL um particularly in the re- regular season and 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 it rarely happens in the playoffs. And when it happens in the regular season and when it happens in the playoffs it's really usually two different two different things. Um in in that game in particular it was it was a little bit of a, a frustration and kind of Uh, you know, sending a message for the next game, like they're not going to be pushed around and we're not going to be intimidated because, um, there are teams that, that kind of roll over. Don't, don't kind of bite back. What's, what's interesting is you look at the Chicago Nashville series. And to me, that's actually not as much, not as feisty and you don't have as much hate, um, that gets brewed up when you play somebody, you know, three or four times in a row. Um, where Vancouver and Calgary it it took no time at all. And it, and it just might be the 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 intenseness of both those those teams and they've been kind of rivals for years where 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 in Chicago and Nashville has not really had that rivalry. Sure Nashville likes to consider themselves a rivalry with Chicago, but Chicago's like dominated so they don't really think of uh it much of a a rivalry. I mean that that's just my opinion. Um I'm not sure others in kind of more traditionalists might have a different perspective on it, but it just, it's, it still happens why they let it go. um, You know, technically there's only three refs on the ice. So, or four refs on the ice. um, So you can't really uh, break up too much um, in there when you got some monster uh, humans in there fighting. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they try to jump in when there's a clear disadvantage and stuff like that. But for the most part, um, it's just, it's just been part of hockey, but it's actually down and it's going down. So, Okay, um great. You know, I, I don't, yeah. All right. So,
3: um, today Jeff Baker came out with his article in the Seattle Times, and it was, uh, I, I encourage people to read it, uh, a lot of information in there, but uh, it referred to a report done in the American City Business Journal that, ba- the, the conclusion of which basically said that uh, Seattle could uh, certainly handle an NBA franchise when it comes in uh but the the ah uh, but the possibility of it handling an n h l franchise when it come in basically due to market saturation um is somewhat marginal it didn't say it couldn't work, but it called the the chances marginal meaning there's a, a chance of failure uh what were your impressions of the report uh, of jeff's article and what were your impressions of the report
4: itself well the the initial report was actually produced back um Early early April, like April ninth or tenth, and um, I don't know if I saw it on my own or somebody called it out to me, but it called for Houston being a the best market for potential NHL franchise because they have um, the most um, capacity for a pro sports team, so uh, they're unsaturated. Um, if, if we're and using sorry, a, the I, I consistent terminology, time. what city did it say? What city did it say was the best? Houston, Houston, H- Houston Texas. So I I read that and I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, Houston is a interesting market because it's, it's huge and there's a lot of money and I've kind of called out Houston before. Um, You know, there's other things to evaluate. I mean, they just lost their minor league franchise, the the arrows. Um, So that would, that would leave, leave some some reason for doubt for Houston being on top. Um, But uh, I still think it's a market that's interesting and I think it's, because it's got a lot of um interesting factors like in uh income and population base. So I kind of dismissed it uh as as kind of news. I did kind of even reference it in a tweet I think back a while ago and, and called out NHL Houston as a as an interesting scenario um because it, it is. Um and then I it kind of went away and then I think something bubbled up uh la- late last week and then um something this morning in the Seattle Times my um my my broader issue is it's it's a it's a gross o- oversimplification of kind of it's using one metric and that's mostly the um I forget the term TPI total uh, population income and using that to base the capacity and mm-hmm. uh i actually went to the bureau of um economic uh um, reporting um the website referenced or at least the the um government entity and tried to find where that TPI information was. And I couldn't find I got frustrated. Anybody who's been around government data websites knows that um, it can get frustrating. So I couldn't really find it because I wanted to see a little bit more of the basis of what it, was, it, um, it came from, like what was the geographical area, why is TPI, what's different between um, household income and TPI, and try to get into the into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, to understand it, because it it was an interesting metric I've never heard before, but it it was the only metric it really used to determine capacity. And um, so, I then kind of looked at a couple other markets that have um, four teams, not just three, but four, uh, four, and that's four of the major the major four pro, not not just, and I'm not discounting MLS, but we'll get to that in a second. So my markets that I compare Seattle to. And that's a, Seattle, a future Seattle market with an NBA franchise and an NHL franchise. I compare it to Denver, Detroit, um, and Minneapolis-St. Paul. And I use those as my proxy. Now, in the, years, in the last couple of years, I've, I've interacted with uh, um, some sports executives from time to time. And I ask them about, okay, what's Seattle's comp? How can I compare? What are some metrics I can look at? And a lot of the, the execs, and they're across the league, across all sports, they tend to say every market is unique. And so comparing to any particular market is not necessarily uh, an easy thing to do, and it's almost like, uh, in a way, it, it should not be your testament of how it compares. But I went ahead and did it anyway. And so I compared against um, uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul – Denver and Detroit, just like I do a lot of the times, because it's similar size, and they 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 all have four teams. And what I realized is that they actually say that's those those markets are oversaturated. Um, so that report that came out of the um, um, the American City Business Journal said that those markets are oversaturated. Yet those those cities have supported teams for years. And so that's where I kind of got a little bit uh, dismissive of the report, and not that um, I, I mean I, I I read it obviously I looked into it I researched it and then I kind of evaluated that it's actually not that great of a report, which is where I base my opinion on um, um, whether it's legit or not. I happened to put a blog post about the about the article in general on Seattle dot com um, just to kind of give you my perspectives. There's a lot of other mm-hmm. questions I have about the report, like why TPI was used. Um they also reference a a big uh a big five NCAA team like um from the Pac twelve I you know, example is UW and, or the SEC or any of those teams. Um but I also wonder why um you know why using that when when a big five uh, NCAA school is only as good as their alumni base. Now granted there's a lot of UW alumni here, but it's it's usually they, they tend to not. Most reports I've seen, including the one that um, the City of Seattle did um, back um, three years ago when they evaluated the same concept, um, they referenced the that UW, but it wasn't much of a con- contributing factor when analyzing across um, other markets. So that's why I kind of question that in the report. And then there's some other things, sorry to be long-winded here, but the um no there's problem. a couple other things where they talked about they <clears throat> they they referenced uh, team revenue data and average ticket prices. Now, average ticket prices is pretty easy to come by. There's a lot there's Team Marketing Report um tends to publish a lot of um ticket price data every year on across um all sports franchises and then the um team revenue data is the one I kind of start to question because team revenue data is not available um these aren't public comp- teams aren't public companies therefore they they do not report the numbers now they probably reference the forbes um data that um that they produce on their analysis every year is when they do evaluations but those are historically wrong um they're there're they're they're swags or um guesses for the most part now i mean it's it's as good as we have but but that doesn't seem like a really reliable source of data. Um, so those are kind of, that's in a nutshell, my broad, like kind of, you know, this, this isn't much of a report. I've seen better reports. The city of, um, the city of Seattle funded an independent study back two or three years ago, um, where they evaluated the saturation and said, it's fine. They said once they get, once, if we were to get an NBA and NHL team, it would then be kind of pretty much capped, but for the most part, it's, it would not be saturated.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: Um and uh yeah, it it was just uh, quite quite a uh quite an article to read. And um you know, I I'm of the impression and, and Jeff even said this when, when I was talking to him earlier, um, that you know, one of the biggest factors in all this is that the fact is the fact that the NHL wants to be here. Um so to me I um You know, I I think we should look at reports like this and, you know, look at our own market with a critical eye. But to me, the biggest statement is that the NHL wants to be here,
4: isn't it? Well, exactly. And they're the ones that really need to do the thorough analysis and really ask those next questions that that I still have about this report. Um, You know, I I have plenty of questions like what's what's the the spending power, what is the – household income, not just, um, you know, the, the broad gross, um, uh, total income, but what about per household? I mean, it, you know, if you have 10 people making, um, a hundred dollars a year or one person making a thousand, that, that person that's making a thousand is more likely to buy a ticket, right. Or whatever. And it, and it's just, you can't like throw these broad strokes, to announce, to do some analysis. And that's what the, the, the NHL needs to do. And probably more importantly is the potential owner, right. That really needs to pay the bills and foot and, and figure out what's the market. Now I, I know mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of income here, right. But you know, that doesn't mean it's a guarantee like it, you know, that it's going to be successful. And in fact, I think particularly with the NHL uh, as opposed to NBA NHL needs to work at it and and kind of grow the sport like um like they've done in places like San Jose, um, Nashville, um, Dallas, Tampa Bay, those are all really successful kind of what you you consider non traditional markets. Um, you know, and, and if you look at California right now, they're producing NHL players now. You know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, there were no there was only a couple uh NHL players that come out of California. Now it doesn't mean you need NHL players to produce uh a market but for every nhl player there's going to be fans right and or there's a bunch of other kids that aren't making the nhl but now they're hooked and they're fans right
3: okay so also on nhl to i i think you've explained pretty well your concerns with that report uh i want to want to take a look at one of your reports uh you're you're someone that uh seems to love the crunch numbers and and you periodically do what you what you call your NHL to Seattle survey um and looking at uh the re- the most recent survey that when did you p- publish this the other day um maybe last week
4: uh last week
3: yeah last week so i'm i'm seeing um purchasing intent and i'm seeing okay so you say purchasing intent by Washington State respondents. Looks like uh, 29% of the respondents said they would be full season ticket holders. 6.5% uh, said 21 to 40 games. 18.4% uh, said 11 to 20 games. 25.4% uh, said they'd buy 5 to 10 games. 19.5% uh, are people like me and said they would buy, uh, go to 1 to 5 games a year. And then 04 percent said none that responded. Uh, what what's your overall impressions there? Is that um are those percentages good news for the NHL uh ownership groups or are those discouraging numbers for the NHL ownership groups?
4: Um that's I mean that's a good question. Uh you know, I was blown away that, you know, keep in mind this is mostly pulling my Facebook group, which is about fifteen thousand people. Um So you could project of the 15,000 people if 30%, um, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to purchase, uh, full season tickets. You know, what would that be? Um, let's, so of the, of the 15,000 that would be, um, you know, about 5,000. Um, but then they probably have, um, kids or family, or they're probably not going along going alone. So, um, that's pretty good a- attach of just that Facebook group. Now it is asking a bunch of hockey players and, and, or hockey, ho- uh, hockey fans, if they're interested in buying, it doesn't attest for the people that, um, are, you know, aren't are necessarily fans. on yeah. NHL to Seattle or, you know, or, or aren't on Facebook or didn't even get the, didn't get the data or didn't get the survey you know, it, it, it's a sample and it's intended to be directional. Um, but the response and the engagement was, was pretty overwhelming to me. And I think, I, I think it's uh, a great number. Um, but I think the the real value here is the people that aren't even here, that aren't even reflecting here, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the, um, the future Paul Rogers, right? Who's hasn't, into a game and haven't really been exposed to the NHL because they've lived here their whole life or, you know, or Wenatchee or uh, Tri-Cities or Spokane or whatever. They haven't, they just haven't been exposed to it. You bring that, bring the, the NHL in, get fee- people, Oh, I might go check out an NHL game. And, and lo and behold, it's really a fun game to watch live. Yeah. And
3: it's, now that you mentioned that, I'm looking at you have a section for fun questions down below and and one of the questions is, have you been to an n h l game before and of your fifteen thousand uh respondents uh seventy four percent say they've been to an n h l game in washington eighty six in oregon uh ninety five percent other states and eighty five percent of unknown locations so yeah what that what that says is that uh most of the people responding to your poll. Uh, have been to a game and know what it's all about and uh, probably have more than a working knowledge of the sport, and then that doesn't represent Seattle. So um, that, to me, I, I think they are <laughs> encouraging numbers. If, if we're saying that uh, just from your Facebook fans, 5,000 people want to buy season tickets, That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good.
4: Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting
3: yeah. to see um, an exercise like Vegas is going through now, to where there's actually a season ticket drive to see what kind of response we get. Um, but I, I don't know if the NHL is going to want to require that. Um, uh, and I, I guess, of course, to even get to that point, they're going to have to modify that MOU or come up with one of the ownership groups to come up come up with another solution besides Soto. Uh,
4: where do you where do you think? Do you think the NHL is going to want to do something like that? Uh, I think a uh, potential owner is going to want to do that, but I'm not sure if it's going to be needed to justify um, getting a team. Um, it might be part of the, the onboarding process and um, getting a franchise. Um, and then, you know, when you have an, a potential owner doing that, it's similar to how Chris Hansen did his um, season ticket list, um, you know, I mean, every single sports radio uh, was talking about the drive and everybody was telling others to sign up like there's going to be more funding and more PR done around that to get the word out a lot more than than simply posting on uh my Facebook page so right. uh, i anticipate right. there's going to be some kind of element there of a of a season ticket list or kind of start to gauge interest and in, uh season ticket drives and NHL might require it, but but um, I think they've gone on record to say that's not necessarily required in places like Seattle and Quebec, where um, right. the market itself is is enough. Where Las Vegas is very unique, which I mean to me makes total sense that they would want to kind of validate that there is enough interest in Vegas before um, before uh, trying it. So. Okay.
3: All right, John. Well, I want to thank you for coming on at the last
4: minute. Um, I know you're a busy guy. Do you are you playing tonight? I'm not playing tonight, but I intend to watch a lot. Uh, usually, I play on Mondays, but um, tonight we're taking taking it off. So, I'm playing tomorrow. Okay. What, what game? What game are you going to watch tonight? Uh, I'm going to watch them all. They're both on downstairs right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Probably on DVR. Right? I, I
4: watch them all. I'm yeah, I watch them all. So, all
3: right. Well, John Barr of nhl to I want to thank you for coming on once again. And uh, go downstairs and enjoy your game, all right?
4: <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Always a pleasure being on. And, and man, I love your your intermission uh, voiceovers. That's amazing. Um, I don't know where oh, you the get We're going to talk about that sometime. But
3: yeah. Oh, I'll it's, tell it's you. Great. I'll it's tell just... you. I'm, I'm always happy to give credit. <laughs> um, Steve Stearns from SonicsRising.com, uh, who contributes occasionally, uh, does a lot of sound bites, and uh, he 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 has a couple actor friends that uh, that do free voiceovers, and they do a great job. And I I just uh, pitched him a couple months ago. Hey, could you come up with uh, some joke commercials about what if the NPR did? What if NPR did hockey talk? <laughs> and he knew exactly what yeah. I was going for. I didn't have to give him any more direction, and he just ran with it. It was great and I'm about to play another one too if you want to listen to it um but uh john thanks for your time and i will talk to you next time
4: sounds great paul thanks
3: all right that was john Barr of nhlseattle.com and speaking of the nh of the npr hockey talk segment uh it is time for segment number 2 of take on the playoffs
0: Welcome back to NPR's Hockey Talk. I'm Tiffany Taylor, Taylor,
2: and I'm David Navid Hasid. The upcoming playoff matchup between the Nashville Predators and the Chicago Blackhawks should be an interesting series to say the least. Both teams have been playing some mediocre hockey of late, but both also have the potential to be playoff powerhouses.
0: Well, you know what they say about potential, David?
2: The potential energy is a function of a state a system is in and is defined relative to that for a particular state which may not always be a real state, and that it may also be a limit, such as with the distances between all bodies tending to infinity, such as in the case of inverse square law forces
0: well, I was thinking more of Winston Churchill's well-known quote that continuous effort, not strength nor intelligence. Is the key to unlocking potential. Mm. But I'm sure your quote also applies to the often controversial lineup decisions of Blackhawks coach Joel Kenneville.
2: Thank you, and well spotted. That was actually the exact inference I intended.
0: Moving on to the other All Canadian matchup, the Ottawa Senators were rewarded for their amazing late season surge towards the playoffs of Lord Stanley's Cup with what might be the best possible matchup for them in the first round.
2: Agreed. The Senators won their past three contests against the montreal Canadiens by a combined score of 13 to 5, which I believe technically qualifies under NHL rules as a complete picking.
0: I believe it would have to be 15 to 5 to be considered a true Three-game ass-kicking. If you recall, the ass-kicking rule was amended in '09 after the Detroit Red Wings the ever-loving out of the Columbia's Blue Jackets four games to nothing. Following that debacle, the threshold to be a true ass-kicking was raised slightly by the NHL's competition
2: committee. Well, f*** me, you're right. Well... Either way, thirteen to five or fifteen to five, that is some serious ass kicking, and Montreal will have their work cut out for them. The pairing of Piquet Subban and Andre Markov will have to come out ahead in the possession game for Montreal to win this one.
0: Twenty seven year old goalie andrew, the Hamburglar Hammond has been the story of the year for the senators and they hope that it is his play in the net will lead them to the next level.
2: After the break, we'll examine the playoff series between the Capitals and the Islanders, two teams that haven't met in the playoffs since the 1993 Patrick Division semifinals. For those of our younger listeners, the top song this month in 1993 was If I Had No Loot by Tony Tonai Tone.
0: This is Hockey Talk broadcasting from station WEPC on NPR.
2: No, I don't think I've ever heard this
0: one. Which one is Tony? Anything you folks want to
1: know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop
2: that puck! Drop 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 that puck! puck. puck. Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Paul Rogers, who is a college graduate.
3: That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh... All right. It's time to wrap things up for this special edition of the Seattle San Ben, the special Monday edition. Uh, and I want to thank uh, Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times for coming on and talking about his article today. Uh, I thought he was very good. And he was very, very gracious to come on at the last minute. And uh, I, I just encourage people uh, to uh, – let, let's do what jeff was saying let's look at our situation with a critical eye um you know one of the benefits uh to the f to the feis for soto arena taking so long is that we know that they did everything with a really critical eye and we we know that that's going to make that everything uh once this thing finally does get built it's going to it's going to make it more lawsuit proof uh it's going to it's going to make it to where we've thought out the finances through and through and, you know, there really is nothing wrong with taking a look at reports like this that, that Jeff was looking at and, you know, just just seeing if maybe this criticism is valid. Uh, and, you know, I don't even think the article itself was would argue that it's a deal breaker for us. And, you know, Jeff wasn't arguing that it's a deal breaker for us. I, you know, Jeff himself said he believed that we're going get, to get hockey. Uh, and, you know, so um, let, let's just uh look at the report and let's factor it in and factor it in our decision making. Uh I, I really believe in Seattle's an NHL market. I, I believe it's gonna work. Uh I believe somehow, some way we're gonna get the NHL in Seattle and I think it's gonna succeed like hotcakes. Um but that's just me. And uh you know uh that that's just the way I am. I'm kind of an optimist. But, you know, it's also the NHL because we know that we know that we know that they want to be here. All right, that does it for this special Monday edition of the Seattle Simbin. I also want to thank uh, John Barr for hopping on with us from NHLtoSeattle.com. Um, and we will have an episode tomorrow night, our our standard Tuesday episode. Uh, and check out the Twitterverse tomorrow for information about what we're going to be talking about. I don't have that completely lined out yet, but we will have a great show. I promise you. Uh, have a great day, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>
2: I'm going to go with Paul Rogers